All right. Um, I thought what I'd do tonight is talk a little bit about um, something I wish I'd have learned when I was your age. How's that sound? Now that I'm 62 years old, looking back, there's a few lessons that I really, really wish I would have known. It would have changed in many ways a large part of my life. So um, let me ask you a question. Why are you here? That's what I hoped you'd ask. Why are you here? Not, not why are you here around this circle? Not why are you in Sarasota, but very literally, why are you even here? Why are you on earth? God put us here. Okay, that helps. He's our, he's our uh, father. Okay. Um, God created us. Amen. Okay, he did. Yep, all right. Why? So he thinks we uh, like have a chance to live. Okay. All right. Let's don't look at why he created us. I want you to focus on why he created you. Why did God create you? Okay, because if you think about it, there was a moment in time where God looked at the earth and said, it's not going to be right unless Will is there. It's not going to be right unless Jeff is there, or John is there, Daniel's there, Sierra. It's just not going to be right. Okay, and there was a moment when you were actually next on God's to-do list. Scriptures say that he created you, that he knit you together in the womb, that he had great plans for you. Okay, so a lot of times we think about our walk with Christ and we think, okay, why am I here? Why are we here? But we never really ask the question, why specifically did God create me? Okay, in other words, there's literally a moment where God said, I'm going to create you. And not only am I going to create you, I'm going to put you in this family, in this location, with this uh, uh, opportunities or not. I'm going to create you with a specific physical build, a very specific ability, physically, mentally, uh, spiritually, I'm going to weave you together. I'm going to make you, and there's nobody else like you. You're a one-of-a-kind creation from God, okay? And a lot of times we don't really think about that, that God created us in His image, and He created us because He wants a relationship with us. But He very specifically created each one of us, and He chose things about us for a reason. You know, I notice like um, when we go to the zoo, okay, and you walk from animal to animal, it's like a worship experience. You're like, look at how that animal hangs from that tree with two fingernails or whatever it is. And you're just blown away at the way God created that specific animal for the specific purpose that he put him on earth to do. So a hawk has vision like you can't believe. He has the ability to fly in and use his talents, to, I mean, just to, to grab, to do whatever. Every animal is uniquely created by God with very specific attributes and gifts and talents that make that animal unique. And we go from animal to animal and we just celebrate. Look how cool that one is. Look at the stripes on that one. Look how neat that one is. Okay. But then we look at humans 
And instead of saying, look how athletic they are, or look how wonderful they are, look how God created them to do this, and look how God created them to do this, we start going, well, God, why don't I have that? It's almost like we haven't learned to celebrate who we are because we're too busy comparing ourselves to who somebody else is. And part of the problem is nobody else was put here to be you. And so one of the things that I didn't learn when I was younger was that no one else can be me. And if I see somebody that does something better than me, which many people do in lots of categories, I want to celebrate that, not be jealous of it. Because if God wanted me to do that, I'd do it, right? I mean, let me give you an example. Uh, I heard a story once about a little girl who, um, she went to church and the church Sunday school teacher told her, um, whatever you want, just pray and God will give it to you. Bad advice, but that's what she was told. Uh, she had an older sister that was about a year older than her and her sister was absolutely beautiful. Blonde hair, blue eyes, all the talent, was in all the beauty shows, all those things. And um, this girl really, really wanted to be like her sister, but she had dark hair and dark eyes. And so every morning, every night she'd pray, God, please, blonde hair and blue eyes. I, I wanna look like my sister. Can you please help me be like my sister? And every morning she'd wake up, run to the mirror, and she'd still got dark hair and dark eyes, right? And she didn't really understand why God wasn't giving her what she wanted. And uh, she went through a lot of uh, crisis in her life because she felt like God had blessed her sister and not her. And, and she ended up really having a difficult time with self-esteem. And uh, she was very jealous of her sister, and that caused problems in the home. And she didn't understand why God loved her sister more than her and why her sister attracted all the guys and her sister was the one that everybody paid attention to and she wasn't. And so she really had the struggle of jealousy. And, and jealousy at the very core says, you owe me. You owe me. When you're jealous of somebody, what you're thinking is they got something I didn't get. And so somebody owes me that. If somebody else can shoot three-pointers better than I can, I should be able to do that. Why can't I do that? Okay. Well, it turns out this girl, years later, came to know Christ and uh, became a missionary. And she ended up being one of the leading missionaries to the Muslim world. And had she had blue eyes and blonde hair, she never would have been able to do that. And what she had to learn was that God created her specifically for the mission that God has for her and for no one else. And one of the things that Satan wants us to do is instead of celebrating how we're unique and what God has given us, he wants us to compare to each other and feel like we've been left out of something, like God should have given us something different. And imagine that like God sat down one day and he said, okay, I'm gonna make Frank and he's gonna be six foot whatever and he's gonna be chunky or whatever word you wanna use and, and he's gonna have certain talents. He's gonna be really bad at this because I'm not gonna have him doing that. He's gonna be really good at this because I'm gonna gift him to do that because that's what his mission is. And he's not gonna be able to do certain things well. He'll have absolutely no musical talent, but he'll be pretty good at teaching and he'll be able to assimilate information quickly. And, and so I'm gonna create him because the mission I have for him is to open up the Word of God to people. 
So I'm going to create him for that purpose. Okay. If I wanted him to be an NBA basketball star, he'd be 6'11", 220 pounds, solid muscle, and able to dunk. But I can't do that, right? And so I'm uniquely created for a very specific purpose. I was sent here to be me. And somehow I fit into the overall picture of what God is doing in the world today. I'm here for a reason. And I'm here for a time. And there will be a time when I am no longer need to be here and God will call me home. But here's the thing. I see people all the time who are so uniquely gifted by God and so incredibly talented in certain areas. And they're not using that talent because they're too busy wanting something somebody else has. And so there was a book I read uh, about 15 years ago. And it says, Why You Can't Be Anything You Want to Be. Okay, how many of you have heard in your life you can be anything you want to be if you just work hard enough? The answer is no, you can't. You can't be anything you want to be. No matter what I want, no matter how bad I wanted it, I could not be a horse jockey in the Kentucky Derby. It's just not possible. That's I'm not smaller. And if I was smaller, then maybe that's what God had for me. But think about this. God can't make mistakes. Okay, when he created you, he created you for a very specific purpose. He gave you very specific talents, gifts, personalities, abilities. He put you in certain circumstances that would shape and mold you into the person he wants you to be. He, he created you for a mission and for a purpose. Okay, one of the things that I learned was if you want to watch people and you want to see what their God-given gifts are, watch preschoolers on a playground during recess. Okay? Because what happens is preschoolers love recess. Okay? Now, you got to be careful how you watch them because you don't want to be like watching the kids, you know. <laughs> but if you watch children at recess, they're five, six, seven years old. No one's told them what they can and can't do. So they do what they naturally love to do. Okay, some kids will be running around the playground very athletically. Others will be sitting in the corner staring at bugs. Some will be over in the dirt, digging in the dirt. Some will be creating things. Some will be leading other people. Some will be talking a lot or singing or dancing or whatever. No one's told them not to do anything. So they do what God created them to do. And they don't know anything else. It's their worship. They have free time. No one's ever told them what they can and can't do. And they're not old enough yet where somebody says, hey, you can't make a living at that or you can't do that. They just like to sing or they just like to dance or they just like to hang on monkey bars or they just like to chase each other or play soccer. or Some of them just like to sit and look at the bugs. I mean, so every person has been wired by God differently for the purpose that God has them for. And then what happens is they get older. And as they get older, people start telling them, well, girls don't do that. Or you're not good enough. Or you can't do that. Or you'll never make a living at that. Or um, you're, uh, you're not gifted enough. You, you're not whatever enough. People will start limiting you in your view of who you are and what you can do. Now, the challenge becomes what happens. I see it in nursing all the time. Okay, you'll find somebody that goes into nursing and they love taking care of people. 
They absolutely love it. They're great at it. Patients will talk about how kind they are and how compassionate they are. And there's nothing better when you're sick than to have that person at the bedside taking care of you. And then somebody comes along and says, wow, you're a great nurse. And they're like, yeah, I've been doing this since I was a five-year-old. I used to pretend that I was a doctor. I used to do all this stuff. And they said, you know what? You're so great. We're going to make you a supervisor. And so now they're a supervisor and things are okay, but something's missing. And then they make them a real administrator. And now they're never at the bedside. They're doing schedules, they're doing budgets, they're doing all kinds of things. They're not doing what God gifted them to do. And then they wonder when they're in their 40s why they have a midlife crisis. Because they're not doing what they were wired to do. I see the same thing in people that are in construction. They love building with their hands. They love making things. They love doing things. But then they open their own business or they become a supervisor or whatever. And now they're spending all their time doing accounting and schedules and dealing with personnel problems. And they wonder why they're not there. Or somebody's doing something they love and somebody comes along and says, yeah, but you can make money doing this other thing. And instead of doing what they love, they chase money and they end up doing something they don't love, but it makes money. And now they can't go backwards. Okay, so one of the things that's really important to realize is that you're not an accident. And God has very specifically given you the very best of what he has to be the person that he created you to be. Okay, and it took me a long time to learn that when I am jealous of other people or when I am wondering why they can do something better than me or why they're more attractive than me or why their church has 10,000 and mine has 100. I mean, when I do any of that kind of comparison stuff, I immediately hold that thought captive and shut it down. Okay. And the reason is God never asked you to compare yourself to anybody. Satan does that. See, here's the thing. You have incredible power in you, and particularly reborn in the Spirit, you have an enormous power in you to do incredible things for God and to fulfill the mission that He gave you for your life. And if Satan can't keep you from being saved, he's going to try to keep you from following your mission. Okay, so instead of you embracing and celebrating who you are and what God has put you here to do, people spend their time comparing themselves to somebody else. I can't go do that until this happens. I can't do that until I'm at least this good. I can't do these things until, um, until I have whatever. And so what he does is, he, instead of you chasing your passion with everything you have, he turns you away from that and gets you focusing on what other people have that you can't do. Oh, I can't share the gospel. I don't know the Bible that well. Oh, I can't serve at church. I don't know how to do that very well. And so what happens is we start sort of limiting ourselves. We put ourselves in a box because we haven't embraced who God really created us to be. You see, here's the thing. Think about this. God sat down one day and he literally created you. He picked your hair color. He picked your eyes. He picked whether you're going to be athletic and smooth or awkward and gawky. He picked whether you can run like a gazelle or you can't even walk fast. He picked everything about you and he had an unlimited supply of things to choose. <coughs> but he chose you. 
exactly the way you are. He didn't ask you to come here and be somebody else. He said, you come here and you celebrate who I made you to be. And one of the problems that we have as believers a lot is we don't celebrate who we are in Christ. Okay, now I'm not telling you to find yourself in yourself. I'm telling you to find God inside of how he created and made you. Okay, so think about this. If he sat down one day and made you exact, you are a perfect you. You can't not be a perfect you. He, he gave you the gifts, the talents, everything to make you you. Okay, so you're the perfect you. And you are you because you have a mission on earth. When he created you, he didn't just create you and plop you down here. He created you for a purpose. There's something in your future, in your life, that you are supposed to complete and do for Christ. You're part of a global mission. Paul calls it, you know, you're part of the wall. Jesus is the cornerstone, but everybody's a brick, and we all work together. Paul talked about how in the church, everybody's got a different role. Some are ears, some are mouths, some are whatever. And we all need each other to be each other. Okay, in other words, uh, the two of you that played music tonight, um, I don't need you to try to be like each other. You need to be the person you are, because when you are who you are, all of us are benefited. You see, you have gifts and talents I don't have. And I may have a few gifts that you don't have. Okay, it's not time to go, wow, why can't I do that? Wow, how come God, how come you didn't make me like that? How come you didn't give me this? How come you didn't give me that? It's simply celebrate who you are and then celebrate the people around you like you're at a zoo. So when I hear you guys play guitar and sing, there's a part of me that goes, wow, God, thank you. Thank you for them that they can do that because I can't do that. Okay, now here's the funny thing. The things that you were created to do, the things that you, uh, you can do come so naturally to you that you don't think it's anything. And everybody around you thinks, wow, this is incredible. Because it's so natural. It's a gift you've had since you were young. Okay, So part of our seminary class years ago was to ask our parents, when I was four or five, what did I love to do? So I asked my parents, when I was four or five, what did I love to do? And I thought they would tell me that I loved to play anything I had to do with the ball, basketball, baseball, football, whatever. That's not what they said. My dad said, you used to do the weirdest thing. I said, what? And he goes, you played church and you wanted to preach to all of us. No way. Absolutely. And he had a picture of me. I'd sit up on the kitchen counter. I was only four years old and we would play church. And uh, I don't remember it. I don't know anything about it, but that's what I did. Okay, now the point here is that you guys are uh, hopefully at the beginning of a very long life for Christ. Okay, and you're here for a purpose. And it's very easy to turn to the God who made a perfect you and say, God, why can't I be like them? Why can't I have that kind of money? Why can't I have those kind of resources? Why can't I have whatever. And the answer is already in scripture. The answer is that's not best for you. Okay. Sometimes the very things that we wish we had that other people have is what gets them in trouble. Okay. God has created you to be exactly you. And I think a key part of experiencing all that God has for you is to agree with them on how great you are. 
Not because you're great, but because he's great. And he doesn't make mistakes. Did you show favorites? Uh, I don't believe so. I believe every person's gifted for their purpose. Uh, now, everyone's a favorite. Okay, I mean, I think God would say that each person he loves equally and he gifts them. The, here's the difference. We look at each other and we start comparing and rating. Okay, there's nothing like that in the Bible. Okay, there is the, you know, you've seen the Father, you've seen me, be like the Father, that sort of thing. But nowhere in the Bible are we told to try to become somebody else or try to be anything other than who God created us to be. And so you have a unique purpose on earth that I don't have. And I have a different purpose perhaps than you have. It all fits into the kingdom. God's building his cathedral, his temple, and we're all parts of the temple. But we're unique individual parts. He said he knit you together in the womb. He created exactly you. So if there's something you don't like about you, it's not because it's wrong. It's because you haven't embraced who God created you to be. Okay. And too often, I think we spend our time going, God, how come I can't be like him? Or how come I can't be like her? And he's like, who told you to compare to anybody? There's a moment when Jesus told Peter, he said, Peter, um, where you're going to go, you probably won't want to go. And people are going to stretch out your arms, but follow me. Basically telling Peter, you're going to be crucified. And Peter turns to him and he looks at John and he says, what about him? And Jesus said, what is it to you what I do with him? I told you to follow me. Okay, in other words, you have your mission. John has his. They're not, they're not together. They're, they all fit together, but we have a different purpose in life. Okay? John the Baptist had a different purpose than Paul. Okay, they all fulfilled their purpose, and they were all here for different reasons. But the key thing was, the sooner you embrace that you are fearfully and wonderfully made by the Father with exactly everything you need, and there's no other thing you need, you are as perfect as you can get. No one else can be you. My fear is that God worked so hard to get us here, to gift us, to give us talent, to give us whatever we need, and we never fully embrace it because we're waiting to become somebody else. And I see that in your generation more than any. Yeah. When everything's perfect, I'll go do what God wants me to do. Mm. When I'm fully trained, I'll go do what God wants me to do. When I think I have uh, what I should deserve or get, then I'll go do what God called me to do. That ain't in Scripture. Okay? But what, what's in Scripture is, I created you, go. Go tell the story. Okay, you're going to know people nobody else knows. You're going to have a personality nobody else has. Okay, and if I could give advice to any 20 to 20, 30-year-old, it would be stop trying to be somebody else and celebrate who you are because of God, not because of you. And when you think that you don't do something well, I want to give you the antidote, okay? So uh, let's say... Um, you really want something like let's say you really want to run and finish a marathon okay and you train for that and you want to finish it under a certain time and you do everything you can do but you fall short okay you either don't finish you hit the wall or you don't finish in the time you want 
and you see all these people that pass you by. In fact, your best friend runs it better and faster than you did. And, oh, by the way, he wins. He has a medal. You didn't even finish, okay? Now, you have two choices here. One is I can be jealous that he's better than I am at this, okay? And I can basically sort of hunker down in my own self-pity, or I can celebrate with him what he accomplished, okay? The antidote to jealousy, the antidote to comparison is to celebrate what other people do well like you were at a zoo. When you see somebody that can run better than you, praise God for giving them that gift and celebrate with them what they accomplished with it. When you see somebody that's smarter than you, praise God that he put them here because they can help you and celebrate the gift that God gave them. You see, we're supposed to be here celebrating one another and encouraging one another. Okay, when you guys sing song, I mean, I, sometimes I sit around and I just go, God, what would it be like to open my mouth and have something like that come out? I mean, what would that be? I mean, that's got to be the most incredible feeling to be able to sing and have something come out that sounds incredible, right? But people that can do it go, oh, well, it's just not, you know, you just open your mouth and sing. No, it's a gift God gave you. Celebrate the gift. Don't downplay it. Celebrate God. The scriptures tell us if you're going to boast, boast in the Lord. And we're all really good at downplaying anything we do well. You know, like people will tell me, hey, you're a good teacher of the Bible. Okay, well, there's a part of me going, well, I better look humble. I better not do, but if I'm celebrating what God did, and Lord knows God's the one that tells me what to teach. That came out weird. Lord knows. He does, actually. Um, I need to celebrate that. Because think about this. Suppose, um, suppose that you had a, a daughter and you worked really hard to get that daughter an incredible gift, the most incredible gift you can think of, whatever it is. You, you just, you found the perfect gift for her. And it's exactly what she needs, exactly what she would benefit from. And she gets it and she puts it down and says, no. I want what he got, right? Think about how that would make your heart feel. And that's what we do with God when we turn and go, God, how come I can't do what they can do? God, how come they're better than I am? How come they can do that better? You know, and, and so Satan is always going to try to get you to compare to other people. God doesn't do that. God says, you want to compare? Compare to Jesus. You want to compare, compare yourself in your spiritual walk to where you used to be. But I'm not here to be you, and you're not here to be me. I need you to be you, and hopefully you need me to be me, because we all benefit when we're all in our gifting. And we live in a world where every 30 seconds, people tell you you're inadequate. You don't have the right car. You don't have the right looks. You don't have the right whatever. Okay, and those are lies straight from hell. You're exactly who God created you to be. You're exactly in the place God put you to be. Okay, he not only picked who you are and what talents you have, he picked what family you would be in, what experiences you would have growing up. And all of them, particularly when you get to be my age, you can see how they shaped and molded you to become the person that you are. Some of the things that I prayed for God to take away, I'm so glad he didn't. 
because it made me who I am. So what I want you to think about tonight is really learning to celebrate and thank God for you exactly the way you are and to realize that you're not finished yet, okay? That there may be things about you that you're not proud of and neither is God, but he'll fix them. He'll work on them with you. What you can't try to do is be somebody else because that tells God you made a mistake. Okay? When you, tell, when you look at somebody else and go, I, I should be able to do that or I wish I could do that or you start feeling bad because somebody else can do something else, what you're really telling God is you made a mistake and you owe me. You owe me those kind of looks. You owe me that kind of athletic talent. You owe me that kind of brain. You owe me that kind of whatever. And God made you perfectly the way he wants you to be. And so my encouragement to you is to spend a lot of time in the next few days really thinking about, am I going to spend the rest of my life embracing who I am and finding out what God wants to do with me? Or am I going to spend the rest of my life telling him he made a mistake and I'm going to try to be somebody I'm not? Because somehow I think that's who I should be. Does that make sense? Yes. And if you could learn to embrace that, and that scripture, I am fearfully and wonderfully made, is so true. And particularly as you get older, you'll see where you were able to do things because God gifted you to do them. Um, and it was so natural to you that you didn't think it was that special. But everybody around you looks at you like, wow, that must be incredible. Okay, and so you can't be anything you want to be. You can only be what God designed you to be. And you can only be the very best at being you. We need you, other believers need you to be fully you. Not to try to be somebody else. Right? Any thoughts about that? Good. Over there in the darkness, any thoughts about that? Okay. Sure. Yeah. I mean, I have a much better ability now to teach the Word of God than I did when I first started. I have a much better ability to connect with people than I did when I was younger. Um, you're always growing in your gifting, but the gift is there. Yes, definitely. By comparing yourself to somebody else and trying to be somebody else. That's Satan's whole plan is God has gifted you to do something incredible, let's say. All right. But if I can get you focused and make you feel insecure and not confident in what he can do through you, you'll never go do it. So if I keep comparing you, like I've heard it so many times, I can't share the gospel because I'm not as good as so-and-so. Or I can't lead a Bible study or I can't teach somebody about the Bible because I don't know what he knows. Okay, and Satan is always trying to limit you in a God-given gift. Or telling you that it's not that special because you do it so naturally. So like people come up to me and they'll go, wow, that was a really great sermon. That's incredible, right? And my first thought is, um, I didn't write it. Um, 
but thank you. I mean, thank you. I mean, I agree with you. It, God's incredible. Okay. Now, over the years, I'm much better at delivering sermons than I used to be. I'm not as good as I want to be. Sometimes I feel like I stumble through them. I did a Bible study last night where I felt like I stumbled through every part of it. Um, but the point is, is that if we're available, open to God to be used in our gifting, then we will grow in that gifting. Okay, And the, the struggle becomes, do you spend your life trying to grow in the gifting that God has given you? Uh, or do you spend your life not even exploring that gifting and wanting to do something else? So you're going to meet people, for instance, who have an incredible heart for certain things. You know, God gave them a soft heart for homeless people. Or God gave them a soft heart for uh, women who are battered. Or God gave them a soft heart for, you know, whatever, right? And that's how God wired them. And they're that way because God has a plan to use that. The other thing I've learned as I've gotten older is God doesn't waste anything. There's not an experience in your life that God doesn't waste. So let me give you an example. Um, when I was in high school, um, I um, was in a school that was incredibly violent uh, and had a drug use of about 70%, I bet. Uh, we had National Guard in the hallways. Uh, it really wasn't a very good learning environment, right? So my parents wanted me to go to a magnet school, which was across town. So every day I'd drive an hour to school. Um, and at the magnet school, you had to pick a career that you wanted to do, right? So you, half the day you spent doing this thing. I had no clue what I wanted to do. Um, but at the time, I thought TV cameras and video editing was kind of cool. So I went to the TV cluster, the TV magnet, okay? And uh, uh, yeah, just so I could go to high school there. And... While I was in that magnet, I met this girl, uh, which is weird because now I've been married to her for 40 years. Um, and I always thought, I never really understood why I went into that, right? Well, for the last 15 years, I've been doing video editing, audio editing, cameras, all those things that have gifted me to be able to put out videos or do whatever, okay? Um, God never wastes a learning opportunity. I spent six years as a healthcare consultant, uh, and I'd fly around to different doctor groups and talk to doctor groups, uh, and I had to organize my thoughts and put presentations together and think about how they would receive the information and how to package it so they could understand it easier. I had no idea God was preparing me to do sermons, right? Um, I had um, a moment in my life where the doctors told me they thought I had ALS, and to kind of get everything ready to go home. Uh, and that built in me a compassion for people that I didn't have before. Uh, it's made me a better doctor, a better pastor, and it's also taught me to appreciate life. Uh, becoming a father was a major thing for me. I, I, I didn't really understand my relationship with God until I had children. And I felt a love I'd never felt before. Um, so God doesn't waste anything in your life, okay? Everything that happens in your life is to shape and mold you to be the person that he wants you to be, okay? And it's such an important thing to learn because um, it's a lot easier to live life in the spirit 
fully embracing who you naturally are than to live your life in the flesh trying to be something you're not. It's so much easier and so much more rewarding. So as you think about, you know, sort of your relationship with God, one of the first things I would do is quit arguing with him. Quit telling him he should have done something he didn't do. He's perfect and so are you. Okay, you've got all kinds of flaws. You live in the flesh, you got all kinds of things. But the truth is, he's going to mold you and shape you into who he wants you to be. And he didn't just randomly one day say, hey, I'm going to send Jeff down to earth and see what happens. He said, no, I've got a purpose for him. And he's going to have a life transforming moment in his life. And it's going to shape who he is. And that's going to make him a better witness for Christ. It's going to make him a more powerful person. He's going to be able to connect with people based on what happens to him in those dark, difficult times. And what you're going to find is it's the dark times of your life, the difficult times that shape you and mold you and move you to becoming the person God wants you to be. Does that make sense? Well, it is, except that um, the way I look at it is if something's on your heart that you can't get rid of, right, it won't go away. And it almost seems to be happening in spite of you. That's God's mission. Okay, in other words, the times that I've prayed, like I'll tell you a funny story. I told God once, uh, about 18 years ago, I said, God, look, I'll be an elder of a church. You know, I'll serve as an elder, but don't you ever ask me to preach because I'm not any good at it. And literally, I, I would not preach. It was like, no. They, they say, you should try to, no, I'm not doing it because I'll make a fool of myself and I'll make a fool of God because I'm just not any good at it. And then what happened was there was a weekend where everybody was out of town. I mean, literally, everybody was out of town. And I was the only, like, church leader out of about 16 people in town. And they said, look, you've got to preach. There's nobody else to do it. You've got to get up there and say something. And so I thought, okay, fine. So I'll do it once and that'll be it. And I can say I did it and they'll leave me alone. And so I preached on uh, the vine, uh, abide in the vine, uh, fruit, all that kind of stuff, John 15. And uh, while I was up preaching, I felt something I'd never felt before. Um, And I felt the presence of God like I'd never felt it before. And I had this sense, this is what you're created to do. And I'll never forget that feeling. It was like, this is why I'm here. Okay, now, looking back to my childhood when I was playing church, I guess that is what I was created to do. And um, I was stunned at how I felt. And it reminded me of... um, there's a movie called Chariots of Fire. I don't know if y'all have ever seen it. It's an older movie. Um, and it's about a guy who won the gold medal in the Olympics, or was trying to win the gold medal, Eric Liddell. And um, he was studying to be a pastor, but he was a runner. And um, his sister thought that his running was foolish. And often, it's also interesting, often... Some of the people closest to you try to pull you off the mission that God's given you, which is another topic. But anyway, his sister kept trying to tell him, why are you doing this? And basically what happened was he went to the Olympics and they wanted to run the Olympic gold medal race on Sunday. Oh, yeah, the British. And he refused to run. Yeah. Okay. 
But there's a moment in the movie and in his book where his sister says, I don't understand why you're doing this. And he looks at her and he says, when I run, I feel his pleasure. That's when you know you've hit your sweet spot. When whatever you're doing in the middle of it, you feel his pleasure. I mean, he very much gives you that sense of, I created you for this. And that's when you know you're in the center of his will. And what'll happen is, it's not that, and it's, it may not be something that you think is that great because it's so natural to you, but you will feel him in that moment go, this is it. Remember this feeling. This is why you're here. And I get it almost every time I preach to some degree. Now, a lot of times I'll preach and I'll have Satan going, you know, they're not listening. They don't care. They don't want anything. This is stupid. Why are you saying this? It's not reaching anybody. But most of the time it's like, I'll look out in the crowd and I'll see the light bulb go off. And to me, there's nothing better than to have somebody who couldn't understand something or had a hard time seeing it. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit just like, boom, that's what it looks like. It's so cool. Um, but for other people, it might be the way people react during a worship song or what happens when they have a perfectly balanced checkbook. I don't know. It could be anything, but it's, this is what I created you to do. And so, um, it's a wonderful thing because it's just so natural. And I mean, it's, our generation is probably the most affected to not be chasing our mission. To not that's exactly right. Who we're created to be, our generation. Well, we were, uh, our generation was different. Our generation was start out and see what happens. Okay, in other words, start going that way and see what happens. Right. Okay. Um, this generation, at least my opinion, are just sort of watching, sure. yeah, is don't yeah. make a mistake. Yeah. Don't do anything unless you're absolutely sure you can do it. Yeah, we're very apprehensive and don't risk right? failure because yeah. you can't fail because here's the thing. You're, I don't mean this for y'all, but you're so insecure emotionally yeah, yeah. that you can't handle failure. So I'm not going to take any risks. Well, here's the problem. Uh, I had a mentor of mine one time tell me, he said, you know, most people never experience the miraculous of God because they're not willing to step into the zone where he has to show up and they can't. Okay, in other words, a lot of times our prayers limit us to what God, what we know God can do or what we know we can do, right? Sure. So we pray, God, you know, give me a, a good uh, men's group tonight and we sort of limit what can happen based on what we know is already going to happen. I mean, it's within our thing. We never see the miraculous of God until you step out beyond you and risk complete failure. In other words, if you're going to keep God in the box of what you can accomplish, then you're never going to see him do the incredible. But when you step out of that and you say, look, if this is going to happen, God's got to show up. Then you step out in a zone where you look foolish if he doesn't but then he shows up and then you see the incredible, right? So what I would say is uh, your mission also is not, you're not here to do one thing. You're here to, and that should be another talk I should give, but I believe everybody has a purpose. And if you think about your purpose in life, it's a tree trunk, okay? So like my purpose, I know why I'm here. I'm here to, uh, help reveal potential to people, particularly the oppressed. I, I just know that's why I'm here. So I love revealing potential to people. I love letting them see who they could become. 
or letting them see who God created them to be. And, and so that's the trunk. So everything I do is going to tie in some way to helping people see their potential, encouraging people, whether I'm a dad, whether I'm a doctor, whatever role I play. That's the trunk. The branches are the roles, right? So I could be here teaching you guys, thinking, how can I help them see the potential that God put in them? I can be at the hospital and help people see the potential of what could happen if they took care of their diabetes. Or I could be a dad helping my kids see what the potential is if they surrender to Christ and follow Him with their lives. So the point is, is that you don't have like, your life mission is not like one very specific thing. It's, it's one general trait or one thing that's played out in many different roles. And life is all about just living those roles. Um, because you're natural, if you think about it, a tree trunk naturally expresses whatever kind of tree it is in every branch. And you do the same thing. So if, if you're a person who has enormous compassion for somebody, right? I mean, just enormous compassion. For some reason, your heart breaks for anybody that's got a problem, right? I can promise you, you'll find your fulfillment in multiple roles where that's what you're doing. And I think one of the beauties of being in Christ is just living on that edge of, you know, God, if, if something's going to happen here, you've got to do it. I'm all in, and I'm doing my very best to make things happen that you want to happen, but I want to live my life in a zone where the supernatural's happening. You know, I don't want to limit God in a box of what I think is possible. Does that make sense? Um, so as you think about your purpose, um, I'll just give you a quick homework that you can think about. Um, think about in your life, and you can even do a timeline if you want. Write it down, okay? Think about the times in your life when you felt absolutely incredible, okay? When something happened that was like, man, that was great. That was everything I ever wanted. I mean, that was like the most amazing moment, Okay? And write down when they happened, okay, and what you were doing when they happened. And don't just limit yourself to things you get trophies for. Include, like, moments where you just, you just felt, like, incredible, okay? And then look for patterns. Because what you'll see is those moments where you felt incredible, when you first look at them, you go, well, yeah, I just won the whatever. But what you'll find is that when you start seeing those moments in your life over time, they all have a theme. Like for me, what I realized was the moments in my life where I was just the most thrilled to be alive were moments where I had helped somebody else see the potential that they had. Whether it was in golf or whether it was at church or whatever it was, I love helping people see and begin to believe something that God can do in them that they never saw before. And that lights my jets. When I'm preaching and I see the light bulb go off on somebody, it's, it's like, that's the most incredible thing because they came in and they didn't understand something and now they're leaving closer to God and wowed by Him. And so what you've got to find or what's, what is it in your life that does that? And surrender that to God and let Him take you places you've never been before. But I mean, literally, for, for eight years, I told God, I will not preach. Do not ask me to preach because I'm not any good at it. I'll stumble through it. And now it's one of the most natural things I do, and I feel His pleasure every time I do it. Wow. 
And so think about that in your life because if there's something God wants you to do, there's a good chance Satan's telling you you can't do it. Yeah, I think the thing that's amazing is a lot of people out there are so interested in ghosts and paranormal and supernatural things, except when you say God. And then they're like, what? Yeah, supernatural things like God splitting the ocean or God healing somebody miraculously or God healing the blind. Oh, no, that couldn't have happened. Well, but satanic things and demons can happen. It's ridiculous. So the other thing is be very careful on who gets your worship. Don't waste time looking at stuff that's a waste of time. Uh, It's just your life's too short and there's too many other things to do. Don't waste your time on things that aren't of God. Um, Yeah, it's not worth it. Okay, thanks for coming tonight, everybody. Can I pray us out? Is that all right? All right, God, I thank you for tonight. I thank you, God, that something that we said, something that you shared, that something that you uh, have for each of us uh, shapes us and molds us and um, allows us to be just a little bit more like you tonight. I pray that uh, each day we just seek to be more surrendered so that you can change us more. Help us, God, to embrace who we are in Christ. Help us to embrace the person that we are that you created exactly as we are. Help us, God, to laugh at ourselves when we don't do something well because that's how you created us. And help us to celebrate the things that we do well and celebrate you in them. God, we live in a world of people who are trying to find the answer inside themselves. But God, you've given us so much. You've wired each of us. And we can see it in each other. There are talents and gifts around this circle that I just marvel at, that I want. But then I realize, God, that if we all do the same thing, nothing gets accomplished. So I'm just going to celebrate what other people do well. I'm going to celebrate when you, you've gifted somebody and when they succeed in the gifting. And I'm not going to compare myself to anybody. I'm just going to keep looking at Christ. And I'll compare myself to Him. So God, forgive us when we suggest that you made a mistake. That you should have made us differently than you did. That you should have given us those kind of eyes or that kind of talent or that kind of physique or that kind of money or that kind of knowledge. God, forgive us because it must hurt your heart to make such incredible people and have us turn to you and go, it's not enough. So God, help us to celebrate you and to live as you designed us to be. Help us to find our life mission. Help us to find our purpose. Help us to act, God. Help us to move out and find you in the process. Help us to go where we're able to go without fear of failure, because if we're doing what you called us to do, we won't fail. It may look like failure, but it won't be failure. So God, help us also to encourage each other in our gifting. Help us to share with each other what we see in them that's so incredible that God's doing that we're so glad that they're doing it. So we love you. We thank you. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.